I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. Eh, eh, 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch coming at you Monday, November 16th. A sick Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, sick Seth? Not much, John. How you doing? You sound like shit. Thank you. Thank you for your service and for working through your sickness to uh, give the people what they need. I'm happy to be here, as usual. As always, I'm happy to be here. Well, where do you want to begin? Since you're sick, I'll let you pick. What's, what's, what's grinding your gear, Seth? What's making you happy? What's making you think? What's making you feel? I think, uh, well, what's making me happy is that South Carolina fired Will Muschamp. Okay, so you view that as a positive? I view that as a positive for you, too. The first domino has been knocked down. A Power 5, an SEC school, has fired a coach during a pandemic with a buyout north of $12 million. Yeah, a school that has less money than Tennessee, has less resources than Tennessee, and has less of a will to win than Tennessee, fired a coach that has like the exact same buyout as the coach that we have. Now, our assistant coaches, I'm sure, are higher but i imagine mike bobo was making a nice little amount of money but not as from much my coaching. rough estimations from my rough estimations we will be paying probably close to 15 million okay whereas they're paying like probably 13 so like it'll be a marginal difference i knew that like just in terms of head coaches it was it was about spot on um so to me that was good that's a great sign that it can happen during a pandemic now there's I think that South Carolina fans actually hated Muschamp much more badly than Tennessee fans hate Pruitt at this juncture, but now we play in a mere five days and things change fast, as we have seen. So, I think that Muschamp getting fired is good news. I don't think they're a threat to hire anybody truly elite. I don't see, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I have never even for one second thought about, like, South Carolina hiring Hugh Freeze. No, that that won't happen. I assume they'll try to hire the guy from Coastal Carolina. I mean, he might take it. I have no idea about the guy. He might not take it. I would imagine he has to take it. If you go from Coastal Carolina to the SEC, like, what better offer are you actually going to get? Yeah. Um... Unless, I, like, Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati and then Cincinnati calls you. and But, like, I don't understand why you'd want to go from the beach to Cincinnati, but either way. I, this guy I, know Columbia's, I know Columbia's not the beach either, but it's like an hour from Charleston. This guy coached at ETSU. This guy played at ETSU. Yeah, he's a, he's a Tennessee boy. He's from Anderson County. 
Are you shitting me? So, I mean, he might actually be on Tennessee's hot board. I hope he doesn't take the South Carolina job then. Just in case we need him down the road. Okay. So, that was my quick wiki of Jamie Chadwell, by the way, that I just did live on air. Uh, He's from Anderson County, Tennessee, played at ETSU. That's all I know about him. Coached at ETSU as well. Um, So, is an East Tennessee guy, born and bred. Um and learned in East Tennessee. So, yeah, I haven't given one second to them hiring uh, Hugh Freeze. I honestly thought, I believe that I had said this on this podcast, I thought Will Muschamp was about as good as they could do. Hell, they beat Auburn. Like, the days of Steve Spurrier having a better program than Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee, like, those days aren't coming back, Okay. The best program in the nation, you share a state with them, and you're at best the fourth best team in your division. Like, you're not going to get anybody there. Like, I know Muschamp did some dumb stuff, and I probably would have fired him too, but, you know, I mean, I just don't think they could get any better than Will Muschamp. Like, I... To me, it just, like, what I didn't understand about Will Muschamp was why, like, you got your offensive coordinator that you wanted. So, why are you rolling this, like, 60-year senior out there, man? Like, go full throttle future. Just say, this season doesn't matter anyway, so we're going to play our sophomore and freshman at quarterback. I have the offensive coordinator that I want, and we're just going to see what happens. Like, and just, I, I didn't really understand, like, what why they kept playing this Colin Hill guy. They opened up the competition last week to play Colin Hill again. But I figured Bobo wanted him just because that was his boy at Colorado State. I thought it was Bobo wanting Colin I Hill. I think but... it was at first, for sure. I think it was at first. 100%, I agree. I don't really know what the point of opening up the competition a week ago was if you're just going to throw Colin Hill back out there. Now, that being said, Colin Hill didn't give up 700 yards to Matt Corral, so... Well, that's the frustrating part. Like, Will Muschamp is a psycho, or at least I can see him being very easy to hate as a head coach. But also, like, you have a defensive head coach that's getting just absolutely destroyed on defense. And to me, that has to be the most frustrating thing as a fan. To me, that's like, that's why he had to go. Um... That's why he had to go right there. He gave up 700 yards to Matt Corral. That Georgia win last year probably is the only reason he kept his job this year. Correct. Correct. And it just seemed like it was going a little bit better after they beat Auburn. Once you make your mind up that the guy's gone, it's hard to win a fan base back over. Agree. When you're in like year five or six or whatever it is. Yeah, agree. And like Ray Tanner probably should have just pulled the trigger last year, regardless of the Georgia loss. I totally agree. Once like you have your mind made up, it shouldn't come down to like a game here or there in a season where you're not winning anything. Um, But yeah, I think that Muschamp getting fired is good news for Tennessee. I see Bruce Feldman said on Feinbaum, or yeah, Feinbaum, that he doesn't think Freeze would take that job. 
because he thinks that Freeze will wait for another job to come open, and Feldman mentioned Tennessee, which is a job he has admired since he was little. Oh, Bruce. Bruce. Friend of Reed's Ranch. Don't forget, Bruce Feldman came on the podcast one time. Uh, Bruce Feldman, our man. Okay. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense for Hugh Freeze to take that job, regardless of Tennessee. You can hold out for, like, is it fair to say that Luke Fickle is the number one head coaching candidate above the Mason-Dixon line? I would think so. And Hugh Freeze is number one below it. Like, that's the way I feel. Like, anything that comes open in the Big Ten, uh, Luke Fickle will be the dream guy. And anything that happens below would be like Hugh Freeze gets the call. And if it's like Texas or USC, maybe both of them are in the mix. And and, and Hugh might win just on like an offensive standpoint. Like if at the very least, if I'm Hugh Freeze, I'm like looking at what's going on in Blacksburg and just seeing how completely uninspiring Justin Fuente is. And thinking to myself like, hmm, I would have to move like right down the road and get a pretty good a really good ACC job if I just stuck it out a little bit longer, you know, because, like, Fuente sucks, man. They suck. He ain't getting any better. Like, Liberty plays another ranked team this weekend, which is a joke. I mean, I think they play North Carolina State. North Carolina State's ranked, which is hysterical. But, like, yeah, he's not taking the South Carolina job. Luke Fickle is not taking the South Carolina job. Like, Luke Yeah, those are, just, those are stupid that you would even throw that out there. Like, that's that's a joke. Like, Luke Fickle's just waiting to see if Harbaugh retires. And if not, Luke Fickle will wait at Cincinnati and find another another job. Yeah, like, Luke Fickle, like if Luke Fickle can just say, okay, well, I won't take this job. I'll just put out another top 15 team, top 10 team at Cincinnati next year and just keep waiting. You know, I mean. See, that's the difference between, like, Luke Fickle and, like, Chadwell. Like, I feel like Chadwell would make the jump just because, like, you know, he's at Coastal Carolina. You know, who knows? Who knows how many years you can keep that running? Whereas Fickle could, Fickle and Hugh Freeze both could just take as long as they want. They could wait. Yeah, a year. yeah, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. The only way Chadwell shouldn't like jump at an SEC job is if a really good middle of the tier job like Cincinnati. Yeah, or Houston or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Houston comes open, although Dana sucks. But yeah, like they're gonna be South Carolina's gonna be looking at him or Billy Napier. And I guess even, was it Monken down at Army they're even thinking about trying to run a triple option, which seems kind of crazy, but... Billy Napier is a guy they should look at pretty hard, I think. I don't know that he would take that job, though. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. You, you play, like you said, you'd be the fourth best team pretty much at best in the division, and you get Clemson every year. So that's you're really set up for failure there. Like... <laughs> If I'm Billy Napier, I'm thinking that I can get a better job in South Carolina. That being said, Neil Brown basically did three straight years of what Billy Napier is in his second year of doing. And Neil Brown got the West Virginia job. It never got better for him. It never got better for him. Like, people, like, I think Neil Brown is a really good coach. Neil Brown went 10-3, and 11-2, 10-3. He... Like, and like, I mean, some of those losses were to Clemson. Uh, he lost to Boise State. You know, he, he, he lost to Boise State twice and Clemson once. He beat LSU that one year. Like, and it never got better for, for Neil Brown. So maybe that's in the back of Billy Napier's head. 
And so he's thinking, it might not get any better for me. How long is this sustainable? Because it's not very sustainable with these kind of jobs, regardless of how good you are, in my opinion. Yeah, like Cincinnati is pretty much like one of the only that could do it. And they might not even be able to do it for a long time. But I'm just saying, like, we've seen that program stick around for a while, being top level of the group fives. So Billy Napier has big-time connections in the state, South Carolina. So maybe he does take a really hard look at them. That would be, like... I would think that would be their best, like, realistic hire. Well, to me, someone like Neil Brown winning eight games at West Virginia would make him a much more attractive pick for a different job. Like, I don't know, like, what his buyout is or whatever, but if I'm Neil Brown going eight and four at West Virginia or whatever their equivalent would be, like seven and three this year or whatever, like next year during a regular season going eight and four and, like, building that program, kind of making it – sustainable that would be much more impressive than doing it at you know troy where he was at or whatever yeah like does it not it still is insane to me that louisville did not hire neil brown because he played at kentucky but i mean think of it through like mark stoops like he has made himself he almost got the florida state job based off winning like eight games at kentucky and like you know he only had the one really good year where they won 10 but outside of that it was just like hey can you get to seven and five and eight and four at a program that typically doesn't do that and like he could have had the florida state job yeah, I would, I would like, if you told me right now if Mark, Mark Stoops, like, would be the next head coach of Tennessee, I would be thrilled. I would be extremely happy. Um, I don't expect a lot of people to agree with me on that. I know it's not sexy. I know that Tennessee can't really even make a run at the Kentucky coach because if they get turned down, it's just absolutely humiliating. But I would be extremely happy with Mark Stoops. That Bruce Feldman, that Bruce Feldman quote. I'm sorry, I lost you for a second. Did you hear anything I said? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Like, I I don't know how you feel about Mark Stoops, but... I I wasn't going to address it. I'll let you make your rant on Mark Stoops. And, you know, he's one of those things where, like, it wouldn't excite me, but he would win here. Just yeah. how big? How big? I don't know. Like I, I don't know how big he would win if he went to Florida State. Like I, I don't know. But he's a good football coach. I don't know what it's going to take to win at Tennessee. That's what I've been fighting with the last couple of days. Like I used to think, as long as you weren't an idiot, you could win here. But now I'm questioning. Like in this day and age, like do we actually need like a really, really good coach to win here? I feel like the 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 floor has raised so high. That's what I've been struggling with because. It just feels like with the way things are set up with Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, like you to even compete with those guys, you're going to have to have somebody really damn good here to like do anything, to like to be at the point where you don't have to be at the point where you just like aren't getting killed by them and hoping to beat up, win all your other games. You're going to need somebody here that's pretty damn good. Now, could you freeze be that guy? I think so. I mean, he's beaten. He's beaten Mullen. He's beaten Saban. I think he could do that. Yeah, I mean, he took Ole Miss but, to a Sugar Bowl. I mean, right. But I don't know if Stoops is that guy. Like, I don't know. Uh, if now, Stoops yeah, is somebody I, I, that could. I agree. I totally agree with what you're saying. I think like, I don't think you have to be. I think you pretty much just don't have to be an idiot to like do eight and four every year. Like you, you just. But don't even have to. even then, you're gonna have to like be. You're gonna you're not gonna have a margin for error though. But then at that point, like. Well, let's just say, like, okay, let's say you're not an idiot and you're not a genius. You're just average. Like, at Tennessee... I mean, I think that was Butch Jones, and I think he maxed out at 8-4. and four. 
I think history would show that he wasn't necessarily an idiot. Now, did he do some dumb things? Was he infuriating? Yes. But I think he was one of those guys that could have gone eight and four most of the years. And he wasn't going to go, you know, eight and four in year five. And he was going to get on your nerves the whole time. And maybe he was going to go back to seven and five or something like that. But, you know, I feel like for a good part of his career, Bush Jones was that guy. He not was Bo Pelini. Yeah, not necessarily an idiot, but just infuriating and someone that, yeah, like, like Bo Pelini, like you said, someone you're just like, this guy fucking sucks. Yeah. I think Mark Stoops is a lot better than that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But I also think that Florida and Georgia are much better than they were when Butch Jones was here. Like, I, I do think I do think that's important to remember because they weren't, you know, near uh, where yeah. they are now. I don't, I don't disagree. I, I, like, I would rather have Hugh Freeze than Mark Stoops. I don't think Tennessee would ever make a run at Mark Stoops because it will be very public when he turns you down. Yeah, I would say it wouldn't even be worth it. Like, I, I, would, I, I, I would agree. Want to, like, getting turned down by Kentucky's coach and having to deal with that every year would be not worth it. I agree. Kind of, I felt the same way. Now, I mean, I do think the the ceiling would have been higher, but I felt the same way, like, whenever people wanted them to hire James Franklin when he was at Vanderbilt. I was like, that would be such a gut punch if Vanderbilt's coach was like, nah, I'm good. That's an interesting one. I, I, speaking of him, Saturday night, I was with my best friend Luke, and I said, you know, what would you do if you were told that James Franklin was going to be Tennessee's head coach next year? And, like, we were both emphatically, I was like, I would take him. Like, I would take him right now, I would drive to Happy Valley, and I'd pack his shit up for him. Like, I would 100% take that, take him right now. Um, Do we think that this 0-4 start would get him looking around and get at him a little antsy? I think it could show him how dumb it was not to really go after the USC job when he could have. Which I guess he's thinking now, like, hey, maybe, you know, Helton still gets fired. But they only have six games, and they've already won two. So, like, it's going to be hard for them to have a, a disappointing year. Well, if he does get fired, you know, and if he does, and if Clay Helton does get fired, they're not going to hire James Franklin now. It'd be hard. It'd be hard to fire him now. I mean, I like, so, yeah, I think it could get him looking around. I think it absolutely could get him looking around and show him kind of, like, you know, he might love Penn State, but, like, he should have bailed when he had the chance. I just wonder what the, the temperature is like up there right now. Like, do they still love James Franklin? Yeah, I don't know either. You know, to me, I know this sounds dumb, and I don't really know how to articulate it correctly, but to me, the 1-3 in three start at Michigan is a whole lot more damning than the 0-4 start at Penn State. Oh, no, I agree. I agree, especially when you see that everybody that opted out from Penn State, like, you know, they had their best player, two two players be out between their stud top ten linebacker and their, you know, their best running back. So, and like, it's they, just like, you know, it, did did Penix really score that two-point conversion against them in overtime? I mean, I couldn't really tell. I don't think so. but I didn't think so, but they gave it to them, and Penn State lost. They still got their shit kicked in by Maryland, though. They did get their shit kicked in by Maryland. I Maryland know. embarrassed them, and Nebraska embarrassed them for two and a half quarters. Now I don't know why James Franklin doesn't have a quarterback. See, um, that was that was what I was going to ask. Is like, you know, if I'm a Penn State fan, that's what I'm mad about. Is like, we haven't had a quarterback since McSorley left. Like, we, we've yeah. ran out this same loser, a lot like Garantano, the last couple years, and he's awful. Now they did yeah. finally make the switch against Nebraska, and the team did look a lot better after they made the switch. So maybe they rally, win some games coming up, but I'd be pretty frustrated with that offense. Yeah, I don't know why they don't have quarterback. Um, the Levis guy that they put in, he wasn't it either, you know. Um, um, 
Speaking of Maryland, now I think that Talia was going to go to Maryland regardless because of Locksley, but they should have moved heaven and earth to try to get him to Tennessee when he transferred. Yeah, I mean, because especially it was reported that Tennessee finished second for him in his original. Recruitment. Yeah, it's one of those. One of the, it was. I think he officially visited three places: Alabama, obviously, LSU, and Tennessee. They should have moved heaven and earth for him. They should have known that he was pretty good. And they should have moved heaven and earth for him because I watched a lot of their comeback win, their first win that they had this year was comeback against somebody. Maryland, I believe. He plays for Maryland. Uh, Not Maryland, sorry, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yes, it was Minnesota. And he looked really, really good. He did. And I know Minnesota's not nearly as good as people thought. But, you know, I mean. It doesn't take away that he looked good, though. Yes, yes. And he looked fast and he looked accurate. Like, that, that doesn't take away from that. In the last five years, and so this is counting this year. If we don't want to count this year, because the season's not over yet, so just in the last four completed years, James Franklin has won 11 games three times. He has been to three New Year's Six Bowls. That's why I'm wondering how they feel about him up there, because you know he's had a really good run, and he's had a COVID disaster. So I wonder if they've turned on him and got you know a little bit tired of him. Because, I mean... It's not even like I mean he's beaten Ohio State, he, he he has beaten them. So I wonder if they're still worshiping him or if he just kind of realizes, well, um, you know, no real love here. He he lost some absolutely heart crushing games Ohio State too. I like James Franklin. I mean, I, I as a, as I a candidate, too. I think you know, I don't think it's realistic that we would hire him though. But it's just something to keep an eye on if they keep. I'm rooting for them to lose. I'm just throwing stuff off the wall. Like I don't think James Franklin is interesting either. It's just the the theoretical. What would we do if he was starting to look around? Would, would, would I want him? I don't think Tennessee would ever go after him or whatever. I think that the way I think that Tennessee coaching searches is, would go is that the fan base would have to put an absolute ass-load amount of pressure on the administration to go after Hugh Freeze to make them go after Hugh Freeze. And I think that we would... I think that we would need to do that for one, he's the best candidate, and for two, if they don't, they're going to go after some bargain bin higher again. Well, I liked what South Carolina said. I think their idea is, you know, hitting the right notes. He said basically, twelve million dollars is a lot of money during a pandemic, but it's not as expensive as fan apathy moving forward. Like basically, if the fans turn out, and like I, I do think, and I don't know how many people are talking about this, Seth, but like. There's a lot of people that, you know, have gone to games their entire lives that haven't gone to games this year and, and are like, you know what? It's actually not that bad to just watch at home. I don't think people would be as addicted to going to games anymore, you know, especially for a bad product. Now, would they go for the, you know, a good team and big games? Yeah, of course. But, like, I can't imagine they're going to move many, if any, season tickets. I mean, I, I know when I say if any, they'll, they'll still sell their 20000 or whatever. But, like, it won't be anything near like it used to be. Oh, yeah. If if Jeremy Pruitt's still here. Or if they fire him and, you know, run out of bargain bin coach. What did you make of the the report last week about the uh, the assistant coaches not taking a pay cut? I think it is. I mean, I think it's absolutely shameful. Jeremy Pruitt today said that that chapter's not closed, which basically seems as if they've been pressured into making a huge donation back to the – university or to the the people that they work in the office with or something he said like hey him and his wife had already planned on giving a big bonuses to all the people that work for them like the football staffers that had to take a pay cut 
So I'd imagine the uh, the pressure will be on the assistant coaches to try to do uh, some make goods there as well. I think it's absolutely shameful. Uh, good on J&T for doing the right thing. Um, the two Tennessee men did the right thing. Um, it's so funny that they're the two that did it too. I mean, it's not, but it's, it's like it's like the guys that abs- actually love Tennessee did the right thing. I mean, like it's the sometimes ones know, the ones. I mean, like the ones who know that Fulm or trust Fulmer, but also know like, hey, like if I play my cards right here, I can collect checks from Tennessee for a long, long time. You know what I mean? And, and are just loyal and, and family, if you will. Like it means a little bit more to them, right? Yeah, yeah, and like you know, it, it was more about the relationships and. And all okay, that. Okay, here like, is Jim a question. Jim Chaney should be ashamed of himself. Jim Chaney should absolutely be ashamed. So, was He's it. He's the third highest paid person at Tennessee. What was the cut actually going to be? Was it 20%? I saw that it was 10%. I, okay. I, I don't know if I'm wrong or if it was different for everybody, but like, I'm pretty sure they're all going to be like 10% cuts. Fulmer took the Fulmer took the biggest one in the athletic department at 15%. So, like, no, I don't think any of the assistants would have been asked to take a bigger one than him. So Jim Chaney was going to be making well above one million dollars still. He makes one point six million dollars now. Ten percent of that is one hundred sixty thousand. So you know, subtract a million and a half, basically, or I mean one hundred fifty thousand. So he'd be making yeah, basically um, one hundred forty five thousand dollars, one hundred thirty five after you know or whatever after agent fees or whatever. He was still be making a uh, shit ton of money. One point. Let's just call it one point four million dollars. Uh. Ansley was still going to be making like at least nine hundred k. It's shameful. the 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 secretaries took the pay cut. Now I wonder how much of that is actually true. I mean, because like I believe it was only for people who made less than fifty thousand dollars. So like I don't know if the secretaries are making fifty thousand dollars or not. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, don't know I just many- saw. I just saw Hub say like. The secretaries took the pay cut. The video guys who do all the work for recruiting took the pay cut. Like, everyone took the pay cut. Well, to me, that was even more alarming for, uh, or not alarming, more exciting for, you know, the prospects of getting a new coaching staff was how mad Hubs was. Because it it did seem like a little sensationalism because the video guys that I know, I feel like those guys make like $20,000. Like, I feel like they are the most entry level of entry and you're trying to work your way up. So, like... To like paint it like, oh, they're taking a pay cut. They weren't being asked to take a pay cut from $20,000, right? It was only 50,000 people and up. So I don't know how many secretaries or how many video guys were doing that, but. I bet there's I bet there's more than you think. There might be. In terms like, of video. I, in terms of, not in terms of secretaries. I mean, like and, there might be some video coordinators for sure. Like I, there, there are going to be people in the recruiting office and there are going to be people in the videos that do make more than $50,000. Don't get me wrong, but. The fact that it was just laid out like everyone in there was having to do it, and like these assistants didn't, like I said, got me excited that the the tide has completely turned on all of these coaches, which led me to wonder if this was like a controlled leak. The first thing that made me kind of like start thinking, you know, this guy might actually get fired was how negative and just how damning Price and Hubs have been. Yeah, I mean, every, everyone has been, pretty much. Um like the column that Brent Hubbs wrote about how tired Tennessee fans were was very damning. Austin Price coming out and saying, if you want to know about Hugh Freeze, just go ask Chris Lowe. He'll tell you that Tennessee is Hugh Freeze's dream job because he's told it to him over and over and over again. Like Austin Price has better, has 
the better inside scoop than anyone in terms of Tennessee football. It's not even close with Jeremy Pruitt. And for Austin Price to come out here and basically say, look, man, this guy sucks, and Hugh Freeze would love to be the coach at Tennessee. That kind of made me think, well, maybe there is a chance that, you know, this guy gets fired. I mean, I think I expect to get ass-hammered this weekend. It's the most winnable game left on the schedule that matters. I mean, excluding Vanderbilt, obviously, but I don't. A, a win for Vanderbilt does nothing for Tennessee. A loss ends it. But yeah, I mean, that it might be. It, it is the the most winnable game of the three that matter left. But we're not winning this game this weekend. Oh I no, mean, I I agree. I'm just saying, like this is Tennessee's last stand, so to speak, in terms of this season and trying to put anything, you know, positive out there because they're going to get killed by AM if that game's even played and Florida's going to, you know, destroy them unless Dan Mullen gets called by an NFL team. Yeah. So, I mean, is Garantano cleared? I don't. Buddy, I'm as checked out as I've ever been. I don't know. Okay, I haven't read anything. There's a reason There's a reason we're 30 minutes into this and, like, this is the first we're really talking about Tennessee football. Like, Brent Hubbs, that Brent Hubbs column – that I was talking about, that, that was sent to me in a text message by Brother Chris Kilby, a proud patron. Because he texted me and he's like, Brent Hubbs is, is... Are you calling him Brett? No, I said Brother Chris Kilby. No, no, it, sound, it keeps sounding like you're saying Brett Hubbs and it's just... No, Brent. Mind. Okay, never mind. I, just, I think it's because I'm sick. Um, I'm also going deaf in my right ear. I got, I've had swimmers ear in my right ear, but I haven't gotten in the water, you know, in months. I don't know how to get rid of it. I think I feel like I'm going deaf, but like when I do like the stretching exercise, it'll unpop for a little bit and then go immediately back to pop. So if you're in the Discord or you're just a listener, DM me, tell me how to fix this because it's driving me crazy. Anyways, go ahead. Um, he texted me this big long. He, he texted me like Brent Hubbs is is like bringing the fire. I'm like, what would he say? And he texted me that part of that column, and I was just like, holy shit! I can't believe Brent Hubbs said that. Um, but yeah, I mean. I, I, I really did, from the limited reading I did last week, it felt like Harrison Bailey was going to start against oh, Texas uh, a Jonas writes in the Discord, JG first on the depth chart, and then now that, I, now that he says that, I remember uh, the practice updates today, he said Garantano's had you know good practice. So. Uh, oh, so okay, so he's back, cool. It does sound as if he will uh, be back, or at least a, uh, a late surprise. They might run out Harrison Bailey, but it would be a late surprise. So he's really going to just fiddle while Rome burns with Garantano out there. Like, he's not even going to attempt to put... And whatever, who cares? Like, just get this dude out of here, man. Everyone's rooting against Tennessee. Everyone's either... You know, like, the reaction, even for the people who like Pruitt, were like, oh, thank God we don't have to play last week. That's a bad sign for a program. Ah, that, that, that was not me and you. I wanted to play. I want zero excuses. Oh, yeah, like, you know, I, I don't... I don't know what... A blowout to AM would have done. Maybe it makes this Auburn game a must win. Because I don't even know if we'll get to the AM game. But by the time we do, Seth, I don't know if you realize we're already a month away from signing day. Yeah. Early signing period is December 16th this year. We are a month away. So it may feel like there's a lot of season left, but there's not a lot of season left whenever it comes to making big decisions. And that worries me because I feel like realistically, if you're going to fire a coach, you have to do it by this weekend, like by like Sunday or Monday. Just to give you know a time to put things together because, like I said, signing day is the sixteenth of December. Whenever I say that out loud, it doesn't sound very likely at all that Tennessee is going to be making a coaching change. 
the that was like exactly what I was thinking too, buddy. Like you, you have a month to get this in line, and it just doesn't seem like there's going to be very many. Like I said, after this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted Tennessee to play Saturday because I wanted like if the wheels are going to come off, it, if if it, I like if it's going to get ugly. And it's gonna get dirty. Then I want to roll around in the mud. I want to be a bunch of damn pigs. Let's get as dirty and let's get this thing as ugly as possible. Okay, like I want Pruitt doing the double bird to Knoxville on his way out. Like if it's gonna get ugly, then let's go ahead and let's get it ugly and let's get it over with because, like, stringing it along does nobody any good. Least of all the players on the roster. Who are all going to be eligible to transfer with no penalty. Let's get ugly. If this guy is as bad as he seems, then like I want no excuses. I wanted to go out there Saturday. I wanted Texas A&M to have their two deep decimated by the Chinese virus, and I wanted to play. Because then if we lost, well, then it was really going to get ugly. The China the China virus. But they had two positives, so we canceled the game. I thought we were done with this stupid contact tracing when we allowed Saban to keep to test his way out of it. Like, I thought that when we allowed Saban to just test his way out of the false positive, that we weren't going to keep kids locked up for two weeks if they weren't positive. But alas, Jeremy Pruitt got a bye week. And I'm sure, as we saw two weeks ago, there is no telling what these boys did with this bye week. I cannot imagine what Jim Chaney schemed up in his office. I will say, I just want to warn people that uh, I, I know it's very frustrating rooting for Jarek Gantano. It has been for years. But I will say that uh, on Saturday, we will be rooting for the second most frustrating quarterback in the SEC with Bo Nix being the guy we are all hoping beats our brains out, beats our eyes shut, kicks our ass. Rooting for Bo Nix is not going to be a fun exercise either, but it will be better than rooting for Garantano. Our only hope is that is that Jeremy Pruitt, yet again, rolls Kenny George out there, and he's trying to cover Seth Williams. I'm going to be so mad when Pruitt's on the sideline calling all of Auburn's plays and stopping them. It was cool in 2018. It's going to piss me off in 2020. I was thinking about, sorry, I was thinking about how good Danico Slaughter could be by now if they had just stuck with him at star. You are Danico Slaughter's biggest fan, my friend. I don't even know if he's any good. I have no clue, but he can't be any worse than Sean Schamberger was this year. You You just said you were thinking about how good he would be. We don't know. We don't know if he'd be any good at all. Well, I mean, they thought he was good enough to start the first game. Like, or, they just thought Sla- or they just thought the other guy was fucking awful. Well, hell, they keep throwing Theo Jackson out there if they did. Uh, who cares? This week I watched six minutes of football of college football. I watched Penn State trying to drive to tie the game. That's it. Yeah, I, I caught the very end of that game, too. That's it. That's all I watched. I did, I did enjoy watching Wisconsin-Michigan. I didn't watch one second of it. I just kept looking up the score. I was watching the Queen's Gambit. 
Yeah. That's it. So yeah, I mean, I think that I think that Auburn will put it on us this weekend. Well, buddy, I hope so. I think that, like, I, I agree with you that I don't know what the Texas A&M loss would have done, but back-to-back ugly games. Yeah, because like I said, the A&M game is probably not even playing into the equation now. Correct. If it's on the 19th. Like, it won't be a part of the equation. Even if it's on the 12th, it probably won't play a part of the equation. The only thing that could save us now is a loss to Auburn and a loss to Vandy. Or it just gets absolutely ugly against Florida. But by then, we're going to be scrambling – and then you'd be looking at a you know eleven days to fire a coach and get one hired and try to save your recruiting class. Although maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe recruiting doesn't matter this year. Well, see, I, I was wondering like, what does the dead period being extended again matter? Like, yeah, how does that factor into that? I don't know. I say though, I'm not making any decisions over a recruiting class. Fuck that. I'm just saying. I school... totally agree. I completely one thousand percent agree. Hiring the right guy matters a million times more than whatever class you're going to be able to scramble together i i'm saying i'm just giving the university excuses i don't care we don't care we know better a good I, coach uh, can win with who's on campus or yep. you know get enough grad transfers or get enough one-time transfers to come play like i'm not worried about that i'm just saying the university would be like well guys we can't do it and then we're going to ruin a schedule in 2021 that's set up for you know nine wins minimum Anything else besides football? You got anything else? No, no. Kenny Chandler signed. That's cool. That's cool. We're playing Memphis next year. He'll get to play Memphis and Nashville. That'll be cool. It's basketball, silly season. A lot of NBA trades. I'm pumped about that. How did um, Chris Paul? How does Chris Paul? How do you still get a first rounder for Chris Paul? He was good last year, man. I still think Chris Paul's like one of the twelve best players in the league. Okay, so he is still. I knew he was really good. Like when it he matters, he's one of the twelve best players. Like you know, for a full season, maybe not because he's a little bit older, but. He's still a top 12 player. Okay. So he is still that good. Yeah. No, I mean, he carried that Thunder team to like the four seed last year. So is Kelly Oubre or whatever not good? He's a good young player. No, I mean, like, he, but he's not Chris Paul. And, like, you know, they need a point guard to help unlock Devin Booker. And, like, they need somebody to teach Devin Booker how to win and how to be like a, you know, like, you know, kind of help him mature. And it just shows, it shows Devin Booker that they're trying to, like, get good players. And it's a, you know, it was a good move. It's exciting. Yeah, Chris Paul's still really good. Now, if they train James Harden to Brooklyn, that'll be really fun. We'll see about that. Titans suck. Did you cry yesterday when the Bills lost? No, I mean, you just, it's just like, man. You got, like You got to tip your hat and call him daddy. Yep. You just had to, like, he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He dunked on those three dudes, and it is what it is. I'd be so mad if I was in that picture and those that damn – picture of him with those Jordan gloves were going around of him dunking all over you. That'd be, that'd be tough. That'd be a tough scene. Yeah. All right, uh, the, Seth, the, go ahead. The one thing that annoys me more than anything is that the dolphins are like good, really good. That annoys me. And they're set up for a lot of success in the next couple of years, with all the draft picks they have, including Houston's first and second round pick. <laughs> yeah. That's what, like I was thinking about that last night. If Bill O'Brien wasn't just such a dork. The Buffalo Bills would be eight and two, but instead Bill O'Brien was just atrocious at his job. So they're seven and three. And the Dolphins are going to have a top five pick on yeah. top of it. All right, Brother Seth. Hope you feel better. Love you, brother. Thank you. I love you too, buddy. All right, talk to you soon.
choose to rhyme. Rhyming chose me, so I hit the track running like a nosebleed. Life ain't great now, but it's much improved. Yo, album dropping this summer, that sucks for you. Cause this is Bubba's moment, I put my mother on it. I said my mama, it seems as if I love her, don't it? So buckle up, cause it's gonna get bumpy. I call my girlfriend's Bettis, and my shit's grumpies. That Bubba talk, got you open wide. I giggle outside the booth, but ain't no joke inside. This is complicated, at least to y'all it is. Just let me sell 50 million, then I call it quits. But until that day, y'all in deep doo-doo. I never once saw you crank it, cause I just sleep through you. What you need to do is just admit you love me. The South has always been dirty, but now it's getting ugly. Don't get the wrong idea My ego's getting bigger With every song I hear Cause y'all been bullshitting Spin that booty chatter I here for two days And came with something That truly matters On goes the saga A bubble's plight She won't see tomorrow If I don't cut the night That's just my mood now I hate it came to this How else can I say it? I don't speak no other languages I'm fairly ripped now So just the Jimmy talking You hear that beat, don't you? That's just Timmy talking Go ahead, throw them bowls Fuck it, break a bottle Let's be honest None of us will never date a model, so let's just cut it loose, ignore the repercussions, if you scared, then just forget what we discussing, this that new south, take a picture of me, cause I'm a fucking legend, and this is getting ugly. is jumping ain't it something what makes it special this whole moment came from nothing now you see it triples i bet she slurped tonight lanes hide your wallets hating bras clutching purses tight if you ain't trying to live you with the wrong crowd and if you feeling brave then better sport that thong proud and if you finally breathing then sing this song loud i'm glad i got you wet i know you had a long drought don't worry about the law they can't arrest us all i had to crank it couldn't have done nothing less for y'all forget your inhibitions i want to see you wildin and if bubba dies tonight no he was smiling
Boom, Bubba, let's go.